listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. That's what they're going to say when you make a catch, when you make a touchdown. They don't even do that for me. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. And look what I'm wearing. Your first Titan jersey. I haven't even been released yet. Okay. I'm going to sell you on some things right here. Listen to me closely. You have Tenniel, Mr. Finger Roll himself. Every time, Eric Hill. Listen, he does what he needs to be done. Like, he's a leader. He's a great passer. He's it. Anyway, next. Him, behind me, superhuman. We don't even have to discuss him. He speaks for himself. Look how mean he look in the picture. Like, okay. Then me, I'm up and coming. Pro Bowl, year two. Not a big deal. Kind of a big deal, but not really. Okay, scratch that. Anyway, whatever. You. The GOAT of our era, the re- of our receivers. Help me help you. Come home, Julio. Come home. There you have it. That's one Julio Jones. Hey, shout out to Trey killing it for us today. 713-780-3776. Do you feel the same way that A.J. Brown feels? Do About you? Julio. Yeah, yeah, that's big, man. Do you see how he painted it? He wanted him there. He said, I even have your first unofficial jersey. He, he, he wanted him there so bad. It's trouble. It's trouble for the division. Not many are saying I'm. I'm, I'm going to, to, to for the Twitter reaction. Many are saying, "Would well, is he going to play cornerback too?" You know that whatever the case is. I, I looked at their defense; they were bottom four against the pass, uh, middle tier against the run. Of course, it doesn't help the defense. D- does let's talk about fantasy implications. What does that do? Um, we and we we knew he was going to be out of Atlanta, but this solidifies it this this puts a statement to it where do you put calvin ridley now as far as fantasy aspects the looks got to go from somewhere we know anything that julio was getting double digit looks where do those looks go is it hayden hurst is he is does he move up on the tight end list i think they're gonna run more two tight end sets now that would make sense you get hayden hurst out there you get kyle pitts out there and then of course you got ridley as your number one so yeah i I think they are gonna run more two tight end sets. I already had Calvin Ridley as a top 10 receiver. So, you know, or if he would have finished top five, that wouldn't have surprised me. So I, I don't think that changes much, but I think Kyle Pitts, man, you got to like him. He's going to be flying up draft boards because clearly they have a plan for him. Where does Kyle Pitts around go in fantasy football drafts? You know, I've seen him going around the sixth round, so I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks up to the, you know, the fourth or the fifth round now, at least the fifth round. Wow. That's that's, and where so don't where does Ridley go? I mean, Ridley was already going to go in you know round two, round three, depending on how many teams are in your draft. So I, I don't know if this changes too much for Ridley. You know, maybe he gets a few more targets, but he was fantastic last year. I know I had him on my team, and he's one of the reasons I won the whole thing because I snagged him in like the fifth round or something like that. So. I expected him to have a great year, so I don't see that changing. Only three receivers had more fantasy points than Calvin Ridley last year, and those guys are Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams. Yep. That's a list. That's a list. And then you have little old Calvin Ridley. Here he comes. He's You know, get a little more attention now. You know, but the thing is, is when Julio, when he missed those games, Ridley was still great without Julio on the field. So I I expect a big season from him. Okay, so let me ask you this question. A.J. Brown finished eighth overall for wide receivers. 
where does he go? How how much of a step back does he take? Is he still a top 10 guy? Can you have two top 10 wide receivers as the Steelers did for a while? The Steelers w- would pull it off on that offense because many will say, how can you possibly do that? You can pull it off if your offense allows you to, but can you do it when the offense that's going to give Derrick Henry 25, 28 touches, you know, total yeah. the whole game with, with that's catching and rushing? No, that's a fair point. I think I was seeing A.J. Brown and a lot of these early mock drafts being a top five fantasy receiver is is how he was being drafted. So maybe he's more top ten, maybe not top five with, with Julio in the mix. It's funny the guy earlier said the Vikings, right? And yeah, he, and he said the Diggs Vikings, but even the Justin Jefferson Vikings yeah. because we talk about having two wide receivers. That's exactly what the Vikings had last year. Justin Jefferson was sixth overall. Adam Thielen was seventh overall in wide receiver scoring. So they did have two wide receivers inside the top ten. Something that we're wondering if the if the Titans can do as well. So that would be out of the top ten players, four of the wide receivers can come possibly off two teams if these guys continue success. Because I mean, Justin Jefferson, where does he go this season? Like, yeah. answer me that one. Yeah, he'll be second, third round pick somewhere in there. There's there's so many good receivers. How do you feel the, about the division now, Trey, that uh, before all this happened, the Colts were slightly favored? Do you think that the Titans surpassed oh, them? no doubt. Um, also, the stability they have at quarterback. We don't know what Carson Wentz is going to do. Is he going to go out there and get destroyed? I know that offensive line is better, but yeah, Titans, they probably just became the fa- one of the favorites in the AFC. I mean... Obviously, the Chiefs are still number one, but you got to figure like they're right behind them now, right? Yeah, with I think the Ravens are in the mix there too, but Titans have had some success against the Ravens. Yeah, the Titans have had some success against the Chiefs. They too. have. They have. Yeah, they beat them one time. Yep. If you had that Titans ticket, if you got it at the right time, it, it was around five to one. They weren't. They weren't the the top on the list. That's for sure. Now all of a sudden, here he is. Felt like we've been talking about Julio to the Titans for a long time now, but what it means to this division, not that to say that one of the four and a half wins, if you were betting the total, one of those wins was going to be against the Titans, but now it makes it even worse to say, okay, well, I think they're probably going to lose both of those games. They're going to be big underdogs, I'll tell you that much. They're 14-point they're, they're yeah. underdogs to the Colts we saw already on a primetime game. So what does that leave? The Jaguars games, which they're underdogs of the week one. So, again, so where in the hell are these four-and-a-half wins going to go? I, I might fly to Vegas after this game and, and put a put something. A, I some think they'd at least beat Jacksonville twice. You think they're going to win the first game? Yeah, because Jacksonville's rebuilding. So. 713-780-3776. Go ahead and get on the phone right now and let us know your initial thoughts. What does this mean uh, for, for a Texans fan? What does this mean for Titan Hugo, if you're out there listening? And overall, for the landscape of the NFL – what does that mean? Because this also gives us a view of what a wide receiver at that age is supposed to be worth. They were asking for ones, and they kept saying they had multiple ones on the table. That was a lie because they would have took it. Now that time has passed and we're getting one week closer, and now you're seeing mandatory workouts coming, and, and all these workouts that are starting, teams are starting to get together, quarterbacks are starting to get their things going, it was time to make that move. The Falcons had to make the move. They couldn't even. They can't even sign the guys that they got coming into the uh, to the building yet until they got rid. They, they needed the money. They did. There's no doubt about it. Look, Kyle Pitts. You don't take a tight end that high up if you don't plan to to really use that guy and build your offense around him. 
So that that's what they're going to do. And, and Julio's getting older. They're seeing him breaking down a little bit. Maybe you get something for him now. If he had another year where he only played six or seven games, what are you getting for him with him making $20 million a year? Almost nothing. So maybe this was the right time for them to move him. They're all in this year. Yeah. I and mean, that goes to tell you right there, they're all in to make that move. I just told you Tannehill got paid over 100 in in, in 2020. I just told you that as a running back, running backs don't you four years, 50 million, Henry. And then all of a sudden now here comes Julio. Those are three those three guys are gonna make their, their top seven or eight paid in their position. It's now official. It's, it's official. only a second round pick. That's it. See? That was it. So there you go. And that's what I figured it would be. But you know, back to the Titans, this makes sense, right? Tannehill is this might be the best season you ever get out of Tannehill, the way he's playing right now. Derrick Henry, this is maybe one of his last years in his prime. You know, you know, running backs, they age quickly. A.J. Brown has come into his own, is one of the best receivers in the league. I like the timing of this move. The coach? Yeah. I mean, how many games do you see in the playoffs where you say, man, Vrabel, he outcoached him. Like, he, he, he does, and, and I hate to say it, man, but he wins games. He goes yeah. out there, and he wins games. Remember when he knocked out – when he, he they almost beat the Chiefs the year before that? Yeah. They, remember, they knocked out they, – they took the cape off of, of, of Lamar Jackson. They, they, they showed you who he is. Yeah. They, they laid out the blueprints. That, that everybody's this, using, yeah. This is how you beat him. Vrabel, I think, has proven he's a better head coach than he was a coordinator, clearly, right? He wasn't that great with the Texans as a defensive coordinator. Good clock manager, too. Hey. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, he'll commit penalties knowing damn well that it, he knows the gray areas. Let's yeah. go over to Lamont right now. He wants to talk about the Julio Jones that just news that just broke. What's going on, Lamont? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, when I first heard the Julio Jones uh, news, uh, I was kind of excited because anything that's going to make the Texans uh, be worse, <laughs> 2021, I'm happy about it. Uh, uh, I'm, I, I don't have no. I don't have no uh, wild visions of the Texans doing anything. Uh, as a Texan fan, it don't mean anything to me. But then I started getting sad because I was like, huh, how old is Julio Jones, you guys? 31, 32? Yeah, I believe he's 32. 32. Yeah, I think he's 32. Okay, 32. Uh, uh, this kind of reminds me This kind of reminds me of something that was closer to home uh, when everybody was going crazy about Frank Gore and uh, uh, Andre Johnson, uh, and Andre Johnson was 32 years old going to uh, to the coach, and and Andre was actually going with a with a more proven quarterback with uh, uh, Andrew Luck. I don't think the Julio Jones is gonna. Uh, uh, I don't think the Julio Jones is gonna be all of that, man. I, that, that's just me, right off the I mean, right off the back. I don't think it's gonna be that much. Uh, uh, everybody was going crazy about Andre Johnson going to. Uh, to the coast and it turned to be nothing and that's all i have though that's a fair point but remember like they ended up what telling andre remember they told andre that year bill o'brien did that you're not going to be a, a main focus of the offense anymore mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to have the targets if you want to try and get a trade go ahead and seek that trade and nobody was really giving up anything not, for and andre. not to mention the difference between that and this is the titans aj brown Derrick Henry, that's not Frank Gore. They're still in their prime, so they're a lot younger. I know it's a better quarterback advantage, but like it's not it's not going to like Frank Gore. It's these two guys that are all pros. Let's date back to whenever O'Brien made that decision, right? To to say that. So then you're thinking about around that 2013-14 range, right? That last year of Andre on the Texans 2014, a season in which he played 15 games. 
almost got a thousand, only got in the end zone three times, though. How we talked about, he has that same problem. He never, he never, not once, not once, not once, had double digit touchdowns. Think about that. Andre Johnson, not once, had double digit receiving touchdowns. <laughs> Just put that on the table. He had nine one time. Other than that, he wasn't that guy, but he did have seasons with 1575, 1569, 1598, 1407. The last season, he only came up with 936. The season he went to the Colts, he only gave them 500 yards. And I think, and that's the one thing I have given Bill O'Brien credit for. He did see the decline in Andre before everybody else did. To your point, though, in, in receivers, it comes. It, it yeah. happens in, 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 in physical receivers. Let's talk about ones that, that, that take hits. And I'm, Andre Johnson was more of a physical receiver than he, he would play more up in the middle. and He'll make those catches to move the chain more than what a Julio would because Julio is more of a deep. But he, it seems like he gets put out to dry a lot. How many times do you see like the ball and it gets there and as soon as it gets there, boom, and Julio goes out of bounds. Like He gets hit and he's like, he's coming up from out of bounds. How many times does Julio get hit and he ends up out of bounds? He stands up and you're like, whoa. Yeah, no doubt. I still remember that incredible catch he made in the Super Bowl on the sideline. But Lamont has a point. They're about the same age. They're big body receivers. You could see some drop off from Julio this year. Even if it's not just from his talent, he's been getting nicked up. You know, if he misses more games, you know, maybe this doesn't work out. Could it be possible that A.J. Brown ends up outperforming him still? I think it's actually more likely, to tell you the truth. I think A.J. Brown will have a better season. Ryan, we're going to get to you on the other side. Again, Julio's got it jumping in here. On a Sunday morning on Moneyline, the news broke that Julio Jones is going to be inside the division, and it's driving Houston crazy. Ryan, you're next. Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Shout out to everyone hanging out with Moneyline on a Sunday morning where the news breaks nice and fresh and it's hot for you and we deliver it on a plate. Shout out to everyone on Twitter. Crystal checking in and she was listening obviously on Friday because she says now that 0-17 bet at 25 to 1, it looks a lot better if you want to go the Texans to be the first O for team in the new 17 game era, let's call it. Let's see what my man Ryan has to say about the Julio trade. What's going on, Ryan? You're on Moneyline. Hey, guys. How's it going today? I just had to call in and, you know, I have to agree with Lamont on, on Julio's age, and uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a whole, whole lot. You know, being a Texans fan, I think that it's good that we have a team in the division that is going all in. Because the, the more they the more they go all in, the harder they're going to fall in the long run. And uh, I don't mean to listen, but I was just curious that the, the, the Titans averaged 400 yards a game last year. I don't really feel like Julio is going to take them, you know, that much further. And their defense gave up 28 points a game. I just. Uh, I just don't see them being that much better. I, I, but I do agree with you. They are the favorite in the division. And uh, I'll hang up the list. Thanks, guys. Yeah. It, I will say this. Their, their defense isn't great. 
but they they went defense in the draft with three of their first four picks. The and first, they got Bud Dupree. They did. And Danico Autry, a good pass rusher. And those are two guys that that, that were going to be sought out. But, I mean, me as a Steelers fan, when Dupree got hurt, I knew that's probably the last game where, that I was ever going to see him in that uniform. And I knew right that it's going to be a big loss. Like Coming into this season, I know that there's a hole now on the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. I, I know that. Yep. Dupree's a monster. He's a good player. He's a monster. He just happened to get hurt. And then that's why the Titans, the Titans ended up getting real lucky with him, actually. Does it help them from a team that gave up 28 points a game? N- not necessarily. Does it does it improve them on offense? I think so. It it's it makes you have to count you when a guy like Julio Jones is on the field, you have to account for him. That's just that's just bottom line. When a guy like Tyreek Hill is on the field, you have to account for him. Bottom line, that's what's going to happen now. And and like I said, this particular situation, different running backs is different. If you would have, if he would have fell on the, I'm not going to say the Colts because they got a pretty good running game, but just start putting them on different teams and just start saying, do they have? I'm talking about a traditional running back. How many traditional running backs are there in the league that you can give 20, 20 plus touches, rushing touches, and then also toss them the ball a few times? There's only a handful. Henry is the king of that club of the traditional running backs. You got a traditional running back. You have to have extra men in the box. That's going to make it easier for him. What running game has Atlanta had? They try to put Gurley back there. Look at the guys that they've been having in that run game the last few years. They're trying They're trying to run, find a run game to, to help Matt Ryan out. Whenever you have that, yeah, you can double Julio all you want. All right, double Julio. Who's going to take AJ? Brown's a monster. I think I think we're discounting for what he really is. That guy's a monster. I think we're looking at Ryan Tannehill for what he was on Miami. If you just take off what Ryan Tannehill has been in only the games that he's been on Tennessee, he's one. He's a top ten quarterback, easy top six quarterback. I'm telling you, as as much as it hurts to say it, look at his numbers. The man, he's playing ball. What thirty three to seven touchdown interception ratio? Yeah, that's impressive. Well, let's look what's leaving. Okay, so Corey Davis left. So Not a big loss. Here's what he had last year. 984 yards receiving. Almost 1,000. That surprises me a little bit. That was his biggest year, though, right? Yeah. 65 catches. So, yeah, he hadn't he hadn't even got 900 until last year. Uh, and, you know, he was a rookie in 2017. This is the best year he's ever had. So, you got to think that, like, you would, you would handicap that Julio is going to do better than 984 and five touchdowns, right? Like, yeah, I would. I think, yeah. yeah. So I think there's room for improvement there. A.J. Brown last year, as great as a year as he had with the 11 touchdowns, he only caught 70 balls with uh, 1,075 receiving yards. I could see both A.J. Brown and Julio doing a little better. Arrows yeah. up. Then you got Reynolds coming over. Well, who was Reynolds at the same? He was still a number three there wherever where he's coming from, right? Yep. The Rams. He was still a three there. He had 600 yards. Yeah. And I think with Jonu Smith leaving too, that there's going to be more targets to the receivers in this offense now. Do they? Because last year was the first year that you really saw Henry. They give the ball to him the, the entire year. Usually, they you start seeing the Titans do it towards the back end when they, you start seeing, dang, how many carries did he have? Thirty one. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, they're going to kill that guy. Usually, they do it towards the end of the season. Last year, you saw that Henry was on pace. to. They were talking about breaking the rushing record, and, and he was on pace week four, week five, week six. He was already having those big ones. Do you think that they change it back up to who they were, and they say, you know what, let's save let's save those legs. Let's save the hits on on, on, a, on a running back that's getting older. And they're, they're, I mean, when you talk about physical runners, he's at the king of that club. He is. And, I mean, you just look. He had 
378 attempts just in the regular season last year. In regular season. Yeah, that's a lot of work. And he is a guy that he creates, he, he gets contact and then he gets his yards. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that, that doesn't account for how many times he got hit in the backfield, how many how many tackles he had to break. Once you start throwing on in there, it takes the lifespan of that core, of that running back. It, it shortens it and shortens it. I, I do see the point that Lamont and Ryan make, though. How much trust are we throwing into a 32-year-old guy? Like, how much? Uh, other teams didn't give up a first-round pick, obviously. And those guys, I mean, we're talking about people that are paid to do this, right? Like, uh, people that are, this is their job to, to realize that that player is worth it for them to make an investment. Well, teams didn't make a first-round investment. So then, if they only went up to the second round, are we over-exaggerating what he can be? Or do we just know that it was kind of, not to say... We just knew what Atlanta was at that point. You know what I mean? Like, they had hit their ceiling. Ever since that Super Bowl, we saw what their ceiling has been ever since then. We've seen Matt Ryan's ceiling. We've seen it slowly decline. Now you're seeing players that say, come out and say, that maybe the deep ball isn't there anymore. You know? So, with all that in, con- in context, can we see a, 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 a even more improved Julio? I think he's going to have a nice year. I, I really do. 1,200, 1,300? Yeah, somewhere around there. I, I think about 1,200 is where I think he's going to be. And as far as the trade market for him, you have to be a team that thinks you're a Julio away to to give up value <coughs> for a, a 32-year-old receiver that's making $20 million a year. You know, you're not investing in that if you don't think we got a chance at a Super Bowl if we bring this guy over. So there was only a certain market for Julio. Only teams that think they were one good receiver away from contending for a Super Bowl. Texans. Yeah, Texans. <laughs> to Rod Taylor, Texans. So... It makes sense for Tennessee. And with the Colts, I thought they might be, you know, in the mix for him. And we heard rumors about that, but I guess they're happy with, you know, Pittman and they brought back T.Y. Hilton. Now Titan Hugo comes out and says, Ryan Tannehill's top six. Titan Hugo's over there living it up. He's, yeah, it's a he's, good day for him. Oh, he is living good right now. Uh, as he should, I mean, I guess we'll see. Well, let's let's not overreact, I guess. But at the same time, we're talking about Julio Jones. It'd be different if you were talking about a guy that that, that is washed up, you know, that you're just like, man, he, he isn't even anywhere close to. The last time I saw Julio, although he, he was injured a little bit more, his stats have slowly declined. Last year, we, we know that he was missing more time. But you give me, in the 17-game season, you give me, 14 solid games of Julio, of Julio, Julio. Give me 14, and, and and it was worth it because I know this is Julio that throws up 200 yards sometimes. Like This is that guy. This is the guy that takes the top off of a defense any time, no matter what. He could be 30, whatever you want. He could be injured as many times as you want, but when he's on that field, you have to account for him or he's going to burn you. He is, and I think this is – Keeping up with the Joneses. They know they're going to have to outscore the Chiefs if they're going to win the AFC. And I don't think they thought they had enough firepower to do that. And that's why they went and got Julio. I, I really believe that they're like, if we're going to win this conference, we got to be able to outscore Kansas City. And we can't do that just with ball control with Derrick Henry and, and A.J. Brown. And so, they almost, they've almost pulled off they upset. They have. So that maybe they, and they clearly do think we're a Julio away. Yeah, I think... If you if you believe the Titans are a Julio away from really making a run, because at the end of the day, anyone in the AFC knows that that run has to pretty much go through the Chiefs. So you start. It's like when the Warriors were in their in their prime, yep. right? You're like, man, no matter what, I know I got to beat that team. So I got to build something that when we do crash, when we do collide, 
I have something to beat him. Titans fans got to be feeling right now like, man, we were in those games. Like, like there was scare out of the at Mahomes. They were down double digits last year. Yeah. Like, they were down two double digits, two scores. They were there. But then they, they didn't have that extra piece. Julio's the extra piece. He's in the division. We're going to switch gears a little bit. You're listening to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5. I assumed you knew. I'm Dr. Andrea Russo. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. There's a big game seven today, I hear. It involves the Clippers and those Dallas Mavericks. And I hear it involves a lot of under. 60% to the under in game sevens the last 10 seasons. That's one number that sticks out to me. Another one, the first three games of this series, it went over. The last three went under. The first three, though, the Mavs shot 47 and 50% respectively from the three-point line. Numbers that went back, it, it went regressed to the mean, right? It regressed to the mean, and that's why you've seen the Clippers come out and win these few games on the road. Third thing, game sevens are ugly. We know that. As much as you get hyped up, you're like, man, a game seven, they're usually ugly. They're scrappy. It, as, as possessions get shorter and shorter at the end of the game, you start – Wasting that clock, you know, it just everything to me leads to the under. And then most importantly, the last clue, it opened up at 214 and a half and it got smashed down to 210 and a half. Usually when I lose four points of value on a bet, I usually pass. But on on this total, I don't think they hit that. They're averaging 198 and a half, I believe, in these last three games to the under. I believe it's going to be 205, maybe 207, somewhere around there. Hit the under game seven tonight, Mavs Clips. There you go. And Jerry's been hot with these NBA pick guys, NBA picks guys. Eleven so. in a row, Josh. Eleven in a row. Eleven in a row. Eighteen and three over the last twenty-one. Um, it, it's been hot. It's getting spicy, and 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 hopefully we could keep that going. But let's go. Let's switch gears. Like I said, we talked a lot of a lot of Julio. Um, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Not that any news is broken, right? But give it time. <laughs> we got 30 minutes. If that drops, I don't even know what to say. Oh, man. This week, we're going to figure out who's going to call who's bluff because the the workouts, the uh, mandatory. Say he can. Now, Rodgers can take the Zeke Elliott approach, show up to these, and then still hold out, and then Zeke still got paid in 2019. He could do that. But what happens, and Josh has a theory, What what happens if Rodgers shows up and the Packers organization pulls them behind closed doors and they want to make right. They say, you know what? This got out of hand. Uh, we're sorry. What is it you need from us? And then Roger says, I want security. I want X amount of years. I want to, I want to know that I'm going to, I'm going to retire with the Packers and, and that no one's going to super uh, surpass me. I want to know that I'm the starter while I'm here. Okay, here you go. Bam, bam. Everything's good. Can that happen? Do you think that's a, a, a probable thing or... I do, and here's why. The, the Packers have been very quietly clearing cap space. 
I wonder if that's because they're going to get Rodgers a new contract. And they could. Some people are saying that that's a reason or that they're clearing up because they're going to have to make a, a drastic move of some type. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at this, the Packers as an organization have everything in their favor as far as this. One, I looked up how much Rodgers is worth. It's like 132 or three million. If he has to give back 30 million this season overall of everything that, that, that he that he'll give up from not playing, to round 30, that's a big chunk out of your net worth. So my question is this, what benefit does it do for the, the Packers? How does it benefit them? Because if they were to trade it now, the draft is gone. So unless they're getting some big player, which you don't see, it's going to be more draft capital. It may be a player or two, but I don't think it's going to be a big-time player. Then those picks aren't good till next year anyways. So what can they do here? Okay, give us back that 30. We could stick that 30 somewhere else in this team. Next year comes, next offseason. Everyone knows that Rodgers is on the table. They can get picks for that same draft. At this point, they benefit nothing as far as getting draft picks. The the draft is gone. It is. If I'm the Packers here, I'm looking at it like the Titans are looking at it. This division is not very good. You know, you got a rookie quarterback in Chicago. The Lions are terrible. I think the Vikings will be a little better this year because I think their defense will improve this year with some guys getting healthy. But... I think this is a – and just, you know, remember, Rodgers was almost in the Super Bowl. You know, he almost came back and beat Tom Brady. So you have to think we're very close with this team. This In, in Rodgers, how many more prime Aaron Rodgers years are left? Probably only a few. What if they would have scooped Julio? And I'm just – I know this yeah, is what that's if, what I thought was going to yeah. happen. Would Rodgers have been – you know, would – he would have been there early with kolaches. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> Donut Rod- holes and kolaches. Rogers is handing out kolaches at the door. Hey, 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 how you doing? You Throwing know? kolaches to Julio. Yeah. Shaking hands, kissing babies, just everything that he needed to do. But he, <laughs> that didn't happen. And, and, and we are where we were. That he, if it's true with everything that's been said and reported, that he just wanted an extension at first. Like, hey, guarantee me that you're going to extend me so I know that I'm here and that love guy He's gonna. He's always gonna ride shotgun with me until until I give him the keys to the car. At first, they they, they didn't take that. The, the Packers said, "Hold on, we don't know yet." At which point, then he took that off the table. Rogers took that offer and said, oh, "I'm gonna put this in my backpack and I'm I'm gonna go to Hawaii. I'm gonna go to all these places and I'm not gonna I'm gonna go to Jeopardy and not give a damn about football." And that's where we I'm are now. T- sing Taylor Swift you on know, Instagram. You know, like that. That's where we are right now. But the someone's got to show their cards, and it's gonna be. Not necessarily Rodgers this week because he can do the Zeke Elliott. He can he can show up for these and then not show up for training camp, and he and Zeke still got his. Or do the Packers show their hand and, and it's a I don't give a damn what you're doing here. Give us back that money. Then what if the, what if they did take that round? And they said because this week we've heard the Packers or, or Packers organization said that this has divided fans. Some fans are solely on on the Packers side saying you know what I I'm a cheesehead. Before I was ever a 12 fan, and some 12 fans are saying, you better pay him. He is that guy. And if not, then I'm going with him. I mean, that's how people are, are, are viewing this. I hate to see it so split. Now everyone knows it's split. Even, like I said, front office is hating this. We've seen that similar situation here in Houston. A lot of people turning on the Texans because of how they handled Deshaun, but also part of the fan base turning on Deshaun because, you know, for obvious reasons. But I will say this, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I want to cement my legacy. My best opportunity to make another deep playoff run and maybe go win a Super Bowl 
is in Green Bay this year. You know, if he goes to Denver, then you got to deal in that division with Patrick Mahomes and you have to learn a new system and new players. And, you know, I think his best opportunity is to stay in Green Bay. I think they win that division no problem as long as he's healthy. And then anything can happen in the playoffs. I, you know, and remember, Aaron hasn't been that good in the playoffs. No, he, you know, I mean, he's been bad. He three picks against the Bucks. Exactly that. Let's let's talk about just overall NFC uh, title games. We've talked about that. He's gotten there. He's mm-hmm. only been able to win it that one. Yeah. So then now we say it's just so tough with Rodgers, man. Because when do you ever have an MVP like a an MVP in this position? Yeah. Like if this is where. This is where football is heading. I mean, you heard Russell Wilson's name get popped out. Uh, this is where we're heading. If 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 they feel they're not getting enough pull, or we talked on on break the the Lafleur thing, it was a good hire, a great hire. But whenever you hire one of these young guys, what what was that room like the first time that they met? Who led that conversation? You know, was was Rogers letting him know like, hey, this is the way we do things. When you look at someone around the same age as you, and 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 you have more success in the in the NFL, you're you're you know you're an MVP type quarterback. You're a Super Bowl winner. Although Lafleur was successful, but yeah. he was more of a Shanahan disciple, right? That that's what he was, a Shanahan disciple. Uh, many people came off that that Shanahan tree. A lot of them are getting jobs. Mm-hmm. A lot of young guys. Jared Goff when he had McVay. That's a different situation though. Right, because what is what success has golf had? Right, so he has to respect real, really respect McVeigh. But when this situation, how much, how much respect does Rogers have to give Lafleur? Someone that he could be like, hey, no, this is the way we do things. Then what did you hear? Problems? How? Who's going to do the check calls? Who's going to do the audibles? No, this is the way we do it at the line. From the very get go, they've been going at it. Remember too, this report leaked not that long ago that they told Aaron, "Don't be the problem." When they hired Lafleur, remember that? I remember. Don't be the problem because obviously that means there was something there. There, there obviously was an issue. Who, who's going to run this thing? And whenever you have a quarterback of that caliber, a veteran, and you bring a young guy, there's always going to be that beef. There is. And don't you think part of this is Lafleur taking the ball out of his hands on fourth down? It's all of and, it. You know, and him kicking the field goal. Yes, it's and that, all of it. Yes, I mean that was a terrible decision. And Rodgers is a proud dude, and he's got some jerk to him. So this feels kind of like here's some payback. You and now know? you got Brady making jokes like yeah. just just playful jokes, being like, "Well, we." We'll go for this when we know Rodgers wouldn't go for yes. it. You know, just throwing subliminal shots at him. That doesn't sit right on your field. And then and then Brady wins it all? The whole thing. The whole thing? And then you go back to what I started with. Well, why didn't we? Who, who didn't let me go for it? LeFleur. LeFleur. Who's been beefing with me since he got here? They told me not to be the problem. That's all because LeFleur. Yeah, who was the problem when we lost that game? Because we didn't go for it on the fourth fall down. guy a little bit. A little bit. You got to have a fall guy. <laughs> Chris Carter was right. 713-780-3776. If you want to get anything off your chest before we get out of here, we have one segment. And I'll try to get you another winner. Moneyline ESPN 97.5. This is Hydro Trophy winner and college football Hall of Fame, Mike Rozier. And you're listening to ESPN 97.5.
You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. One more time, last dance, so I'm going to have to give it to you like this. Hawks, Sixers, starting very soon. Embiid in, minus four and a half is the line. It's moved a point and a half ever since that uh, everyone started getting word that it was going that way. This is the way I see it playing out. I think it goes over 220 and a half. Atlanta's coming off a slow, slow series, one in which they play the New York Knicks team that, that likes to slow it down. That's the ugly game they play. Atlanta still surpassed over 103 in the in that series as an average, which against that Knicks team is very tough to do. I think to hit that 220, I think they got to hit about maybe 110 themselves because I think Philly could do the rest. I believe that game goes over. I believe that Tobias Harris is going to get a lot, a lot of looks because I'm not sure if Embiid is 100%. We know he's not 100%, but I'm not sure how close he is to that 100%. We know with him on the court, they are plus um, 33.7 as far as uh, success. With him off the floor, they're only plus .7. So they're, what, 33 points better with him on the court? That's who they are. I think they they so, uh, over exceed their team total over 220.5 in that Atlanta Hawks Philadelphia 76ers game. Little update here on the compensation from Julio. According to Pro Football Talk, it is a second round pick in 2022, but they're also getting a fourth round pick in 2023 and a sixth rounder in 2023. So it's actually three picks for Julio. A second, a fourth, and a sixth is what the deal is. And then we're also looking here about you know, Arthur Blank, the, the owner of the Falcons, was reportedly trying to hold out for a first-round pick for Julio because in his mind, they basically traded Mohamed Sanu for a second to the Patriots, and then they used that second-round pick to trade for Hayden Hurst. So they were thinking like, hey, we should get more for Julio. That's, so they did get more for Julio. They also got a fourth and a sixth. That's exactly why the hold up was. Now, yep. that, now that, that we see everything that played out, that's exactly. If you... We're able to get a second rounder from the Patriots at that. A second rounder from Mohamed Sanu. Whenever people were bringing things to the table, you would just pull out a, you pull out your billfold and you pull out a picture of Sanu. And you say, you know this guy? <laughs> second rounder. And then you pull out Julio. You know this guy? You know what it is. Mm-hmm. First rounder. They're looking at you like, we're not the idiot Patriots. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's their fault. And we talk about Belichick being just this big mastermind. He's been hit over the head a few times. As yeah, like, that didn't work. He's the new O'Brien. They I mean, thought he was going <laughs> to take them over the, the hump, and the Patriots finally got their number one receiver, and now he's not even on the team. Yeah, I mean, when he was on the team, some of the games he didn't even suit up. Like, like they wouldn't even let him get him on the field. They, it was a terrible, terrible, for a second rounder, for, for Belichick, that's what we talk a lot about. Belichick and, and his greatness, but the more and more that you see, it's like, man, it was Brady. It like, was Brady. <laughs> it was Brady, and maybe a lot, a lot of a lot of those guys stuck around and made it work for for Brady because they believed more in Brady than than the actual even system. At that point, it was you know what? Because what system? If Brady took that system and made it work whatever way he wanted to and won a Super Bowl, not just man, Brady had a great year. They had a great run. No, this man won the Super Bowl like straight up. What system? What system? Because Belichick, the more and more that they regret, uh, go, what if they don't make the playoffs? Like, 
a lot depending on Cam Newton. What if Cam Newton doesn't take a step forward? And then they have to take a chance on it ain't going to be Stidham. Like I no. don't it's, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. It's got to be Jones. So then all of a sudden Brian Hoyer, you don't believe in Brian Hoyer? His his mom doesn't believe in him. Mm-hmm. Just as of right now, where are we like how long how many years do we give Belichick of of just being mediocre before he's like, "You know what?" He'll, he'll retire before anything happens there. Look, I still think he's a great coach. It's just as a GM, he's showing some of those Bill O'Brien faults, you know, making some really terrible decisions. They don't value draft picks. How You hear about it all the time. They'll draft a guy in the second round, and then they'll, like, cut him after a year. They don't value draft picks the same. He, he just wants smart guys that will run his system. Talent is secondary. And when you don't have Tom Brady to cover all that up, you have seasons like last year where you don't make the playoffs. Is the way he coaches, uh, do, does that have anything, how it's not fun, you know? And no. that's why I think towards the end of it, success hit all that. A lot of those players didn't give a damn about having fun when they're winning. Winning's fun. Yeah, but whenever you're not winning and it's not fun, you saw Gronk be very vocal about it, and he's like, man, football is fun again. Like, he made sure, without just saying Belichick's name, he made sure that he knew, like, that you knew, man, they weren't having fun in, in New England. Like, those last years... They were just suiting up, just just routine, routine. This is routine. It was not fun. Now, all of a sudden, they have success. It's just inside that building, man, you, you start questioning, like, is he a great coach? I'm not ever going to take that. One of the greatest coaches ever. We've seen him prove it time after time in many situations. But also, we've seen him get too cute, the Super Bowl. Like, let's think about that. Like, that has to weigh heavy on your resume. When you go and, and you – they're going to look at the crimes, and, and that crime, that was a crime, what he did, suspending a defensive, his number one yeah, defensive really back. Dumb. Malcolm Butler, right? Suspending the number one defensive back because because you, you want to stick out your chest and, and, and let everyone know that I, I am Belichick. This is my ship. Okay. I think well, that was the beginning of the end. That was, was. What was what started it. It started it right there. Then they go up and give up 500-plus yards. Like, that, that started it. That you have to question what was the demise? What was the demise of the Seattle Seahawks when people start questioning the coaching, the play calling? Whenever they didn't run it, what was the demise after that? It fell apart. What was the demise of the, the Patriots? The demise whenever they you quit believing in the coach, and I think that's what happened. It is, and I mean, you talk about that Eagles Super Bowl that they lost, where Belichick's defense gives up forty-one points to Nick Foles. Tom Brady throws for a playoff record over 500 passing yards, puts 33 points on the board, and they lose. That was the demise right there. I will give Bill Belichick a little bit of credit because the next year they did win the Super Bowl 13-3. to But you got to understand, like, I mean, that was kind of an outlier because you were playing Jared Goff on the other side. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So. How many Super Bowls are you ever going to win scoring 13 points? Yeah. One, yeah, yeah. that One. that was it right there. Unless you, we go back to the to the fifty. Unless we go back to leather helmets, yep. you know what I mean. That's the only way you're going to win at thirteen. But credit, credit, and we're not going to take it away from him by any means. But whenever we have the discussion, Pilichick or Brady, that's not a discussion. Yeah, I feel like that book's closed. It's closed. It's closed. Brady showed you this this season. He showed you that. And I guess going forward, we're going to see. I want to see how it all ends for one Bill Belichick. How how good would the Patriots have to be this year or next year for you to move it back to 50-50? Like it's half Brady, it's half Belichick. He has to win a Super Bowl. He has to win another Super Bowl. I don't think he can. 
I don't think he can Not either. Not with Cam Newton. No. or I or, mean, or, I love Cam, but nah, I don't know. In that division now with the Dolphins and the Bills, like Josh and Allen's not going anywhere. loaded with picks. They are. Yeah. That division's not getting any worse. That division got younger. Look at all the quarterbacks. They got three young guys in that division. Those yep. look, look at that division right now. Bills were in the AFC Championship game. I mean, that's a good team. That was one of the best teams in the league. <laughs> that team's. I mean, I don't see Bill Belichick getting another Super Bowl before he leaves. And and at that point, that go ahead. That that solidifies that it was Brady and not Belichick. Did they did they maybe both need each other at one point or another? Yeah, I, I believe that it was a it was a perfect. Perfect relationship. It was a perfect scenario that they both fell in. It worked. Brady was able to do it, taking less money. That's what they needed to be able to spread it out to others. You know, we don't need superstars. We just need a bunch of B-plus guys. You know, we don't need the A-plus guys. We can do it with B-plus and B-minus, and, and that's it. We're going to outsmart him. We're going to outcoach him. We got the best quarterback. He's the best game manager. He's the best. Whenever he doesn't need to manage games, whenever he needed to throw bombs to Randy Moss, he did. Whenever he only needed to throw 20x sometimes a game, he did. You've seen Brady evolve as everything that he needed to be. And that's why I hate to even use the status that the kids do, but he's the GOAT, the greatest. He is. And if if they think they're going to get Cam Newton with their best receiver now being what, Nelson Aguilar? <laughs> that that's going to be what puts well, them over the top. They did get that dude from uh, the the 49ers. What's his name? Born, uh, born, Kendrick Born, and then they got the and two they got Jonu Smith and, and, and Hunter Henry. Henry. They, I mean, they loaded up, but does that propel them into how much better does that make them? Like, what is that? We don't even know what they are. Like. What, what they're going to run two tight end sets? We're going back to yeah. the we're going back to Hernandez and, and Gronk, and they're going to run the ball like crazy this year. That's exactly what they're going to do. It's going to be a headache. Who's going to run the ball? Because Cam runs the ball ten times a game, so yep. like that's a headache. It's a headache waiting to happen. It, it really is. So you know, Sony Michelle, Damian Harris. I just they're not going to outscore the Bills. You know, I just I don't see it. So I think the Patriots are done, man, and we are done as well. We hope you enjoyed the show. We rock it every single Sunday like this. If you're not familiar with us and you just turned on your radio, you're like, who the hell are these guys on my 97.5? We're Team Moneyline, and that's Josh Jordan, and that's Trey Campbell, and I'm just Jerry Bonos with a Z. Peace.